Several weeks ago, we started talking about all that belongs to the Father, belongs to every believer, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. And that everything that the Father has, not just one, two, or three, but everything the Father has, they are for you to enjoy. And you have all that God has. And yet most Christians, if you ask them, they'll tell you they hardly enjoy anything from the Lord, hardly everything. And when they pray, nothing happens. When they believe in God for something, nothing happens. It's as though while they are, they are a child of God, they've been told they're a child of God, they feel like a slave. No different from the world. No different from those people who are not believers. Well, in Galatians chapter 5, we spoke about it a few weeks ago. He said the reason is because while many believers are heir to everything, they are like children that have no authority and they're being guarded and guided by rules, laws, and guardians. And so they are like slaves, Galatians chapter 5 says. Though they heir to everything, they are being treated like slaves. You know, children and slaves, they're being treated the same way. All they have is just a bunch of rules and laws they have to observe, but no power, no authority. And God wants us to have power and authority. And so we started talking about how it is that we can get out of that childhood. See, most believers, we're struggling trying to follow rules and traditions and laws and have no power in our lives. How do we go from this being a child, being, a, being, being, being somebody who has to follow rules and laws to be a place where you become an adult? You become full heir with authority and power that you can exercise and harness. Again, the Bible says all that God has. All that he has, they all belong to you and I. Nothing he had held back, held back from you. He had given everything to us. So the, the question is, how is it that a lot of believers can get it? It's because they are still a child. And so we started talking about how it is that we go from childhood to adulthood. That is through the word of God. And when you study the Word of God, what does it do? It gives you faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And why do you need faith? Because only faith can give you understanding of how grace works. And only under grace that you can become full sons and daughters, Galatians chapter 5. Because if you don't understand grace, or people think grace is a permissive theology, they don't understand what grace is. They talk about being permissive in sin. That's not grace. Grace is to allow you to come to a place of full sonship that you can exercise the authority that God had given you. And so we spoke about how it is that we need to, the Word of God. The Word of God does two things. One, it gives you faith. And another one is that it's like a mirror. It gives you a reflection, not a reflection of you, but a reflection of God. The Word of God in James says that the people that look into the mirror of God, the Word of God, they look at it and they walk away and forget what it is that they saw. Many times believers come to church, they've been held, a big mirror being held up called the Word of God, and they've been told that they're no longer slave. They sing a song, oh, I'm no longer slave, I'm a child of God. They've been told that they have power, they join air with Jesus. But as soon as they got home, they forgot what it is that they've been told because all the pain that they start to feel, and all the brokenness they start to feel, all the bills that are coming out, all the confusion, all the prayer no answer, just shouting at them. And so they feel like they're... They're no longer a child of God. They like to walk away and forgot what it is they saw. What they saw was someone God wants them to be, a full heir in Christ Jesus. 
So that's why we need to only, not only study the Word of God or come to Sunday service and listen to Pastor Paul preach and we sing about the Scripture, but we need to read the Word of God every day. We need to study the Word of God every day. I'm so glad so many of you started this reading assignment. You know, you have two Old Testament a day and one chapter of Psalm and one chapter of New Testament. I guarantee you, you'll finish it. I have so many amazing testimonies already of people's lives being changed. They may not have even understood some of the things they read because of the power and the Holy Spirit is at work while they're reading. They sense that there's some changes. So I want to encourage you. Yeah, go ahead and start studying the Word of God every single day. Wake up a little bit earlier. It doesn't take actually 20 minutes for you to do two Old Testament, one Psalm and one New Testament and have a coffee in front of you. You know, that's what I do. I have an espresso right beside me every single morning. I just enjoy my espresso and reading the Word of God. Mm -mm, it's beautiful. I'll tell you, it'll change your life. But as you begin to study the Word of God, I cautioned you a number of weeks ago. Is that not only are we to leave the elementary principles of the world that will be the law, but also leave the elementary principle of the teaching of Christ, Hebrews chapter 6, and that we are to go on into maturity, go on into something deeper so that we can now harness our authority and our power to become, to become grown men. We read in Hebrews chapter 6 is that when we actually have become grown men, we become fruitful. Our land will yield crops. You see, we, and then we went to John 15, and we read that, you know, when you're fruitful in the eyes of the Father, it means that your prayers have been answered. And that's how God is glorified. He wants our prayer to be answered. When your prayer is being answered, God considers it fruitful. Now, as you take this step into maturity, as you take this step into maturity, you will, you will face a couple of resistance. You will face resistance from hell. You will face resistance from the demon's power. You will face resistance from everything in the world to resist you so that you will stay as a child. You can call your Christ, yourself Christian all you want but you will be struggling like everybody else in the, in the world. And that's what he, that's what he wants you to, to stay at, to become a child, like a slave. Yes, you are a slave. You're going to heaven, all right? You're born again. You're going to see Jesus one day, but while on earth, you're struggling like the rest of the world. What a shame. But the devil wants you to stay there. So if you start to making progress, you're wanting to take a step, you're going to find yourself having resistance. And the second thing is, you know, your flesh is weak. You know, the Bible said, though the heart is willing or the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, you make a commitment, you want to wake up early in the morning and want to study the Word of God, you know, this Sunday morning before you come to church. And all of a sudden, there's this thing called the Raptors games last night. And old people just stay up all night talking about it, even though the game's finished at 1130, you know. And they keep talking about it, talking about it till 2 o'clock in the morning. And they can't wake up at 5 or 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning. And so they roll off the bed and come to church at 11 o'clock. The heart is weary, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's so many times our flesh is in the way. But you know, there's something else happening when you begin to take that step of faith to want to go into maturity. The process involves what we just saw. Pruning. That's not from the devil. That's not even from you. It's from God himself. It's painful sometimes. In fact, pruning is something that would seem like we are actually having a setback. You know, pruning. The branches is being pruned. You see, God doesn't prune branch that is not producing fruits. He prunes branch that produces fruit. So when you are producing fruit, sometimes you feel like your branch is being 
being, being, being cut off. It's like, oh, I don't understand this. This is, things, good things are happening. I'm producing fruits. My prayer being answered. What's going on? You feel like all of a sudden there are some setbacks in life. Every single time when God wants to prune us, it feels like a setback because something is taken away from us. And we don't like pruning because it's painful. It feels like we're going backwards. You know, if we're younger, immature, you know, you, you get mad at God all the time. You say, God, you know, why'd you do that? I don't understand this. See, when I was, a, when I was younger in the Lord, you know, uh, serving the Lord, when I feel sense there's a pruning, a season of pruning, I didn't understand it. I, I would be like, I'd be like a child, kicking and screaming. Didn't understand that every time. Watch this. When God is pruning, when you feel like you're having a setback, you know what's happening? God is setting a stage for you to become much more fruitful. Do you believe that in Jesus' name? So if you're in a place where you feel like you're having a setback, I want to encourage you this morning. It is the place where God wants you to be so that he can set you up for something much more fruitful than you've ever experienced. God doesn't want you to stay in the place where you're at. Yes, you were fruitful last year. Yes, you were fruitful even last week. But he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to become much more fruitful. Meaning what? More of your prayer being answered. You know, sometimes maybe some of us have 30% of our prayer being answered. But God wants you 50% of your prayer being answered. 100% of your prayer being answered. At the, when you get to that stage, you know you're mature. You say, you know, remember we said that the litmus test, one of the litmus test of maturity is that our prayer being answered. You can memorize all the whole book here, but if your prayer is not answered, you're not mature. In other words, you're still like a slave. You're still like a child. God cannot answer your prayer. He wants you to be in a place where, yes, you know the Word of God, but that you understand and you've grown up and mature and become a child of God, full heir, that when you call things into being, they will come to being. When you pray for the sick, people get healed. When you call for resources to come in, they will come in. That's when you are fully mature in the Lord. The question is, what is it that God needs to remove out of our lives this morning? What is it that God needs to remove out of your life this morning? Whatever place that you're in, maybe you're feeling a setback, experience a setback. What is it that God's trying to take out of your life? Don't get upset with God. Don't get asked up to him. He wants something better for you. You know, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, it's a very familiar scripture, you know. Paul said that when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. And I reasoned like a child. Now, when I become a grown man, do I keep the childish things? I know a lot of men in this house, they like to keep the childish thing, like the PS4, the Xbox, you know. I've seen grown men in their 50 and 60 playing computer games and video games. I'm not judging them. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. But I'm just saying that when we grow up, we ought to put away the childish thing. Unfortunately, as a believer, as a pastor, uh, for, I've been a pastor for over 30 years. I've seen so many people. After they become believers for so long, even know the Word of God, have revelation, experience the power of God, they still act like children. Sometimes, you know, when the pastor preaches a sermon that is not copacetic with them, they get all choked up. You know, when you are given a fish as an adult, what do you do with the fish? You eat the whole fish? Talk to me, please. No, you don't eat the whole fish. You're going to choke yourself. Only babies do that. That's why we don't give babies fish. But you know, wise people is that it is not copostatic. You know how to take away the meat. You know, sorry, eat the meat and remove the bone and throw the bone away and wouldn't let the bone to choke you. Don't get all twisted and all offended when something that you disagree with me or, or anybody else in this house. 
just, just be, be grown up, you know, say, praise God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remove the bones. I'm just going to have the nutritious, nice little fish meat. And I'm going to enjoy myself. And I'm going to grow from it. There's a lot of protein in it, praise God. It gives me opportunity to grow my muscle. You see, protein gives you opportunity to grow muscle. You know, you can grow with the meat and remove all the bones. You know, I tell you, when I was, um, when I was uh, younger in ministry, started in the ministry uh, 20 years ago. This church is about to enter into 20 years, you know, in about eight months, you know. And I remember when we were uh, much smaller, you know, uh, I remember I used to throw tantrum at God. Every time he removed something out of my life, I threatened to quit. Every time he removed something, I threatened to quit. I remember one time, you know, you know, some of you know that I come from a high-tech industry. You know, I'm making lots of money, whatever, right? And so um, we remember one time, it was the second year of our church. And um, we were meeting in this place called Seneca College. Some of you remember, some of you are here. Uh, God bless you. You stick around for a long time. And then um, there was uh, this couple that show up. They're just really smart couple. They're just... You know, they, they both, both husband and wife, they're researchers, they got PhDs. That's pretty amazing. And um, uh, that was 20 years ago now. They, they, they have this two twins' daughters. They're so beautiful. I don't know if they hear you here. Sorry, I'm using an example. If you're watching the internet, sorry, I'm using it as an example. But you know, they, 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 they were such an amazing family. The first time they came, they were not even Christian. They haven't given their life to Jesus, haven't baptized, none of that. But they came... And we were, you know, if, you, if you're renting facility, you know, like we used to, you have to set up and tear down all the time. You know, from the children ministry all to the stage, you know, we just have to carry equipment every Sunday. You guys are blessed. You don't have to do anything. That's why I want to encourage you to serve God, man. It's not that bad, you know. You know, you should have been with us when we first started. It was like hard work. But anyways, you know, that couple, they show up. First day. They got themselves involved. They were cleaning up. They were helping. We need to clean up. The, the, we had just one room for the Sunday school, right? Just, just a few people in the church, you know. And they were so involved. And, and, and it just, just such a beautiful spirit, humble heart. They weren't even Christian. It was the first time for them. They were guests. And they were helping to clean up already. And what happened is that they started to get attracted to the Word of God. And they got saved. I baptized them. The whole family became believers, become a household of faith. You know, as a pastor, you know, you're so happy with that. And you have all kinds of plans for them, you see. And one day they call up. Say, Pastor Paul, uh, we just got an offer from another university to do our research work. That would be about a few hours away from this city. And so we will be moving there and we won't be able to be part of this church. So on the phone, I had to pretend to be happy. Oh, praise the Lord. Good for you. I already started to get mad at God, you know. I hung up the phone and it's like, why? Take away bad people. Don't take away good people. Come on, God. You know, why are you doing that? I was so upset with God. I threatened to quit. I said, I'm quitting tomorrow. I called my boss just to show him, right? I called my boss. I said, I'm coming back to work full time. I had it with this ministry. You know, the grace of God is so sweet. He, 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 didn't, he, didn't, he didn't let me do whatever I want to do, you know, and, and his grace is so sweet. But as I began to grow older, the Lord began to teach me how to put away childish things. So I don't throw tantrum at him anymore. And so you know what I do is every time when people, you know, I mean, it took me a while. It took me almost 20 years. I mean, 15 years, you know. About 15, about five years ago, I started to realize that, you know, people are going to come and go. And I noticed one thing that's so powerful. Every time 
when a person or a family would leave this church, God would add a few more. More talented people, more givers, and that's how the church had been growing. Slowly, step by step. So uh, I don't go throw tantrum at God anymore. I don't get mad at God. God, why? 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 I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. You know, I'll tell you this. I probably resigned to the Lord over a thousand times. Trust me. As I began to, to grow this, you know, to grow in ministry, I just get, I just throw tantrum all the time because I was like a child. But friends, you know, when we grow, we should put away the childish things. So many of Christians they still haven't put away the childish things. They want attention. They want, they want, they want, they, 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 just, they just want things that soothe them as easy. You know, being a child is very easy. Kristen is not here. Okay, I'm going to use her as an example. Praise God. Don't, don't talk to her. You know, my daughter, she doesn't like to grow up. And she's growing up all right. But you know, she, she really, she doesn't like the idea. So when she was starting to grow up and we're gonna, we added more responsibility to her and she was like, oh, I miss being a baby. You know why? Because when she was a child growing up, everything is provided for her. We baby her, we love her, and she just enjoy being a baby, she enjoy being the you know, center of attention, you know, and, and, uh, and just enjoy being a child because it's so easy. Everything is handed over to her on a silver platter. You know, yesterday we're looking at her tuition. And uh, she's going to university in September. So the first year is 7000 which is whatever. And then the second year is going to pop to 18000 In the program she got accepted in. And her mom and I, we were, we're just kidding. Don't tell her we're kidding, okay? We say, honey, you're going to have to pay for it yourself. You got to borrow money from the government, you know, OSAP, and you got to work hard, and all those summer money you make, you can't buy toys anymore. They all go to tuition. <laughs> then she was like, oh, I got to work. I got to be like regular people now. You see, when you grow up, there are more obligation and responsibilities. But it caused you to grow up, you see. If you always run back to mama, always run back to home, always looking for handout, you will never grow up. You know, some of us really need someone. We're dependent on people. It is good when you're younger in the Lord, you're depending people to have to teach you and guide you. And you always need to be accountable to someone, always need to be accountable to someone. And that's what submission is all about. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart because that's where power comes from. Authority comes from submission. But you know, at the end of the day, we need to know that it is the Holy Spirit. At one point in your life, you should not depend on people spoon feed you the Word of God. You should be able to read the Word of God and have the Holy Spirit reveal His truth to you while you're having a personal devotion. It should be like a revival service every, every morning when you wake up as opposed to come to Sunday once a week and let me stir you up and cause you to believe in God more. Because that's maturity. You don't no longer need people to spoon feed you, but you can sit in the presence of God. He will teach you. The Bible says in that day, and this is the day He's talking about, that you shall need no anyone to teach you anything because the Holy Spirit that's going to send you, He's going to teach you Himself. He's going to reveal everything that belongs to me to you and that's the promise of God and that's what grown people is when you grow up you can always come into the presence of God and he will feed you motivate you inspire you as supposed to wait once a week once a week is good but can you believe can would you believe how much can you believe how much you can grow how strong you would be if every single day is a revival for you 
Come on. You don't need to wait for Sunday. You don't need, you know, I pray to the Lord. I say, God, I just don't want revival. You know, revival is reviving something that is old. I mean, I understand why people say they want revival. I say, Father, I want a fresh touch, fresh touch from you that even the days of old in the days of Acts, they have never seen. I want an experience from you that they have never seen. No eyes have seen, no ears have heard. You know, some of the things that God is going to show you will be something that you've never heard anybody say before. He wants to show it to you for your life. But we have to grow up. Are you here this morning? We have to grow up. And so childish things, we need to put away the childish thing. I don't know what else God needs to trim away from your life. But in Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 5, there's one thing that God wants to remove out of our lives too. Is the need to depend on other people. The need to depend on men. The Bible says, curse is the man who trusts in man. Curse, the word curse, the original meaning means limited is a man. Now, also, you know, vernacular, we also understand curses, you know, having sickness on us, whatever. But we have been redeemed from the curse of the law, so don't worry about that. But this word curse is limited is the man who trusts in man. You know, you and I are limited when we put our trust in man. Are you here this morning? Limited is the one who puts your trust in the flesh of man. Make flesh his strength. He's distracting me. <laughs> That's okay, I'm good. Whose heart turns away from the Lord. Do you know sometimes, you know, the other day I was praying and the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, many of us believers, we depend on the anointing of man more than the God who gave the anointing. You know, we'll go to conferences looking for big preachers. Listen to, listen to me. I love good, awesome preachers, good revelation, good teaching. And I love those anointed preachers to, to lay hands on me, you know. I love it. I, 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 just, I just, you know, this is scriptural. The Bible in James says that if anyone's sick, let him ask the elder to pray for him. And if they anoint him with oil and pray for, them, pray, for, pray for them, they will be healed of the sickness. If they have committed any sin, it will be forgiven of them. And the Lord will raise them up. I believe in the laying on of hands. I believe that's the scriptural thing. It's a powerful thing. It works. And I believe there's a transfer of anointing. I really truly believe that you know I, I mean I myself sign up for that you know every single time when there's a, a you know a powerful preachers around you know I would just I would just call some of my friends who who knows them personally and say can you introduce me to them and so that I can go and, and they can lay hands on me I remember when when uh, when I was uh, probably seven eight years ago you know when uh, Bill Johnson and Randy Clark they were just breaking out in the scene you know and uh, I, I was so blessed to know somebody who knows them personally really well I call I call him I send him an email I said can you I'm going to the conference they're preaching can you can can you ask him to meet with me privately? And so he set it up. It was awesome. So they lay hands on me and pray for me. It's like, whoa, awesome. You know, I love that. I believe in that. I really believe in that. But you know, sometimes we believe in the anointing on those awesome men of God more than the ones that give them the anointing. And so when we are sick, guess who we're looking for? We're looking for anointed preacher to lay hands on us because we are trusting their anointing more than the ones who give them the anointing. So sometimes we mock the Catholic, you know, we say, hey, you know, they, they, they always pray through men, you know, pray through saints and Mary. Sometimes we charismatic, we probably, we act the same way too. We, we're looking for famous, powerful preachers to lay hands on us. Friends, you don't need that. 
All you need is God. You know, all you need is Almighty God. He will bless you. He will touch you. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm an outcast. Have you ever felt that? I always feel like, I, you know, growing up, I always feel that I was ugly and people hate me. For, I don't know why that, where that came from. You know, sometimes I would go to, we'll go to a, um, a crusade, you know, or go to some revival service, you know. I'd be lining up and, and sometimes the preacher would skip me. I was like, what? Do you see sin in my life? What's the deal? You know, and then I'll, 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 try to, I'll try to cling on to some of the famous preachers, you know, but they have no time for me. But they have time for the next guy. I remember growing up in a youth group, you know, one of my best friends, he was the president of the youth group, you know, we're hanging out together. And we, we're always together, but every time when, when the senior pastor or the, 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 the assistant pastor, you know, big church, right, come talk to us, you know, he'll always focus on, on him or the other guys, but he'll never look at me. I was like, what, what's wrong with me? I always get very sad. I feel like an outcast. But I suppose it was a good thing because the Lord trained me not to hook my trust on man. How do you know that man will always disappoint you? How do you know that this pastor will disappoint you? Don't raise your hand. Okay? Man will always disappoint you. If you hook your faith on man, you will walk in disappointment most of your life. Oh, you don't want that. God wants you to mature. He wants you to shed that need of needing man. It doesn't mean that we don't work with them, we don't cooperate with them, men cannot speak into our lives and act to it. They can. But my faith, my trust is not on man. I trust in God. And you know, maybe some of you have, have a Moses in your life being removed. You know, Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, God said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. He's gone. Move on. Some of us feel like maybe God has removed someone in our lives that we trust, someone that we, we, we really admire, and, and we feel like something is missing, and we will ask God, why did you take our Moses away? Our guardians, our, our, the person that would guide us and teach us, why did you take that away? I really need that. But maybe this is a season God wants you to grow up. Maybe he's trying to prune you from the need of someone to spoon feed you because God himself want to speak to you directly. Now, if you're young Christians, you always need someone to disciple you and teach you and, 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 and go to Fresh Start class. If you sign up, go and be faithful to it and go to the class and attend the class. But, but you know, at the end of the day, is that as you grow up, don't stay in the foundation. Don't stay needing people all the time. Always hook your faith on God, not man. Amen? Praise God. Come on, praise the Lord. Now, I'm almost done. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. This is another thing that I believe that God wants to shed out of our lives. Some of you may be going through some time of uncertainty in your riches. You know, your bank is coming to become smaller and smaller. You lost your job, you quit, or whatever. And you, you feel like, you know, your supplies is running dry because you have been trusting in your riches and your safety or your egg, uh, nest egg. But you know, it is good to save money. It is good to have some kind of saving. But I want to tell you this, is that we cannot lean on even our own riches. You know, for those of us who live in North America, 
You may feel like you're poor, but even the poorest of us, we are wealthier than most people on this planet. You may not feel it, but it's the truth. You may not own anything, but you are blessed in this country. Blessed beyond measure. You, could, you, 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 you need to go into some country to see how people live. But even then, don't trust your wealth. I used to do that. You know, I saw my parents growing up as pastors. They were poor. And I remember in the denomination they were part of, you know, they, um, they have this constitution in all the churches that they can vote the pastor out once a year. Can you imagine living under that threat every single year? And so the pastor will have to stand in the lobby while they decide your fate. He's supposed to lead the church and he's being treated like a carpet. And that's why my dad didn't never receive any salary. He didn't want any salary from the church so that he could be, he could do whatever he wants. <laughs> bless, bless his heart. So I thought to myself, okay, I don't want to be like him, poor. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make lots of money and uh, make tons of money and so that I can, I don't have to lean on people. You know, his pastor was like that. He owned tons of factories, tons of businesses, and he doesn't receive any income from the church. And I thought, oh, that's great. So I started my life that way. And when the Lord called me into full-time ministry, I praised the Lord. I was able to pay off all my debt and, and have a very low expended, monthly expenditure. But the feeling of losing 90% of my income was so weird. I couldn't handle it. I was afraid. I was scared. You know what I did? I bought some expensive day trading software. So I was day trading. So instead of going to church office to do church work, I was in church office to do day trading. I thought to myself, I'm going to allow these people to control me. <laughs> I'm going to make my own money and I'm just going to do whatever I need to do, right? To have the freedom. And one day while I was doing that, the Holy Spirit said to me, did I call you into full-time trading or I call you into full-time ministry? I was so convicted. And so I, I, I deleted all the software. You know, it, it cost a lot of money. One software cost me $4,000. I deleted the software and took my losses and went crying, you know. <laughs> oh, Lord. And the Holy Spirit said, and now I'm going to teach you not to trust in riches. You trust me. Friends, I want to tell you this. My faith grew when I remove all those things that I lean on, the riches of man, the income, the, the stable income, or, or whatever wealth that I was depending on. Some of you have been called to full-time ministry. Let me tell you this. Don't make sure, don't depend on men for your supplies. God will supply you. I want to tell you this. Since I trusted in the Lord and obey Him and obey in, in giving and tithing and just walk with Him, I tell you, some of you know my family, we've been blessed. We've been blessed and God has provided all our needs. We're able to, you know, send our kids to private school and, you know, all the rest. But I want to tell you this. When you learn how to remove crutches out of your life, including your own riches, God himself will step in and get involved. How many of you wanted God to get involved personally in your life? Well, you need to step back. You may have businesses or you may have ideas. You try, you try to meet people, try to get some, drum up some business yourself. Are you not tired yet? 
Are you not frustrated yet? Are you not disappointed yet? Well, this is a time for you to allow God to shed all those dependencies that you have, all those things that you're depending on, and you can trust in Him. Now, not only are we not to trust in man, not only does He want to shed, you know, prune away man's in our lives and prune away wealth, you know, our trust in wealth, but one of the things that He wants to prune away is trusting in ourselves. The last script, two scriptures I want to share with you is this. You know, in Proverbs 26, verse 12, say, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? You know, a lot of believers believe that they are very smart themselves. They have no need of anybody to advise or teach them anything. The Word of God said there is more hope for a fool than for him. First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says this. God, the bottom line, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. You know, um, I, was, I was reading, um, not reading, I was watching uh, an old fellow uh, from, the, uh, from the, the days of old. His name is Derek Prince. You know, some of you know who he is. And he was sharing with the congregation that he was speaking to at the time. He said that the sin that God hates the most is not fornication, adultery, and all that, although they were all bad. But the sin that God hates the most is the sin of pride. And that's why he cast down the devil from heaven. The devil didn't commit adultery or any, any of those things. What the devil did is he had pride in his heart. Friends, do you know that when you try to lean on yourself, that's when pride comes in. I don't need anybody. I don't need God. I'm going to make it on my own. And perhaps in this season of setback, the Lord is trying to speak to you about pride. You know, pride is very subtle. You know, I have a lot of pride in me. You don't have to agree. Please don't agree. Thank you for being so quiet. You're nice. You know, I struggle with pride. All of us struggle with pride. Look at me, you know, like a peacock, right? Oh, look at me. But, you know, I want to tell you this. That sometimes pride could be so subtle, you don't even know it's there. Until you start to prune things out of your life. Don't trust in men. Don't trust in wealth. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in God. Have you ever been failed by man? Failed by your own wealth? Failed by, on you, by your own wisdom? I'll tell you one more story. It's about failed by man that I forgot to mention. You know, Pastor Joe Osteen is a, a good friend of mine. And, and I know his dad or know of his dad before I know him. And if you know Pastor John Osteen, you would know about um, the, the history of uh, Liquid Church. Did I share this story? I'm kind of, kind of confused. I, I can't remember whether it's the first service I shared the second service. Did I share this in the second service? No, right? No, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So, um, so Pastor John Osteen was an, was an evangelist before he started Lakewood Church. It was called the Oasis of Love Lakewood Church. But they take out the Oasis of Love. But, you know, it's called Lakewood Church now. But when he first started, it's called Oasis of Love. Now, before he started the, uh, the church, you know, he was an evangelist, so he was telling everybody God is putting in his heart to start a church in Houston. And he said there will be hundreds of people come to him and say, Oh, Pastor, if you start that church, we're going to go there. We're going to support you. We're going to stand by you. We believe that God had called you, and so we want to stand behind it. We'll supply you. We'll give. We'll give our strength, our money, our resources. So after a few hundred people said that to him, of course he's, feel, he's feeling absolutely confident to start a church. And he, so he went and started this church. And he was, uh, when he was sharing this, he asked the congregation, do you know how many of those hundreds of people show up at the first service and how many of them stay? 
you think at least 10% will show up? He said, zero. Nobody came. You know, when I was a younger pastor, you know, people come to me and say, Pastor, you know, we're going to stand with you and believe in you and trust you, you know. I have a lot of people say that to me. Many of them are not here anymore. Friends, if your faith and your future is dependent on is dependent on what is visible, i.e. man, wealth, riches, then your future is on a shaky ground. Because you can never trust man. You can never trust in your own wealth. You can never trust in systems. You, can even, you can't even trust in the man of God sometimes. So if you feel like you're in the season that God is pruning people out of your life, pruning wealth out of your life, pruning things that you've, you feel like you're, you, you need to depend on out of your life, is a good thing because it's setting you up so that you can depend on Him. And when you do, He's going to cause you not to be fruitful only, but being very fruitful. It is His desire. It is His purpose. It is His plan that you become very fruitful. Meaning, in this context, is that your prayers, more and more of your prayers will be answered. No longer you're like a slave. No longer you're like a child. But you are now a man and woman of God that can call things that are not, that, that, that are not as though they are. You can believe in God and call things, call, calling things, calling in the supplies, casting out demons, doing all sorts of things, praying for the sick and the actually get healed. That's the power and the authority that God had afforded to you and He doesn't want you to sit there as a child, just go, feed me, feed me, feed me and have no power. But He wants you to be full air. Again, remember, we're talking about all that belong to God. Belong to you. Would you stand this morning?